But I'm not going to lose sleep over it. So. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm not either, but it would have been nice. You know, it would have been cool. If, well, uh, I mean, at least the Democrats at least have more of an influence in the House, so that's cool. That's true. Maybe we'll get some shit done. But uh, we are not a political podcast, even though we are talking about some stuff that's a little bit political today. Uh, first off, I want to start off this episode by saying one thing is this is part two of part two because we've already done this episode one time. Um, and when I was trying to edit the episode, I don't know what happened, but the file was like gone off my computer. Like I couldn't find it. And when I did find it, it was already like the mixed end version of it where it was like – it was all fucked up. I can't explain the whole thing. So this is a redo. This is a redo because what happened honestly was the government caught wind that we were trying to expose 9-11 and they hacked into my computer and deleted the file off of my computer. That's what happened. That's the only explanation. What am I, bad with computers now? No. Well, I mean, another not, government well, it's a conspiracy inside of a conspiracy. We're not exactly sound guys or ITs either, though. So, but I'm getting there. I have GarageBand. I have a thirty-dollar <laughs> microphone, and guess what? I'm using headphones right now because of that guy's uh, comment or the, his uh, review on us. He said that we don't use headphones. So, guess what, dude? Who maybe is still listening? I'm using headphones. 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 But anyway, um, welcome to the Mason Jar Chronicles. I am your host, Corey, and I am joined by our other host, Johnny. Hey, and hey. today, I've never did it like that before. <laughs> yeah, that, I like it, though. We're going to go with it. <laughs> before I called you, I was fucking around. I had, like, my headphones on, and I was like, welcome to the Mason Jar. I was like, dude, <laughs> different kinds of intros, and I was like, that sounds cool. I'm going to try it that way. Well, um, we're back. And we're back. Welcome to 98.6, the Mason Jar Chronicles. <laughs> No, but today we're talking about 9-11. Again, this is the conspiracy side of it, though. So if you are here for the official story, which you probably aren't because most people like the conspiracy better, uh, you are in the wrong place. But if you're looking for a conspiracy, you are in the right place and keep listening. Just sit back and listen to this crazy conspiracy we're going to talk about today. And that's what I decided. I'm going to murder my mother. And I didn't feel that I had to uh, face what I had done ever. He killed 33 times. I'm the king, man. I decide who's does what and where they do it at. So next time you see me, <laughs> I will kill you. Well, last time we talked about 9-11, we discussed uh, what the media put out, the official story. Um, and today, like I said, we're going to be scratching that conspiracy itch that I know you all have. There's actually multiple theories about what happened on 9-11. A quick Wikipedia search shows that there are two types of, I guess you could say, conspiracy theories about it. So there's Lehop or Mehop. And Lehop is let it happen on purpose. And then there's Mehop, which is made or make it happen on purpose. And they both sound equally funny to me. Uh, and there's other theories too. There's the idea that no plane hit the towers, which is – I don't personally agree with that one because there's so many videos. I mean this is 2001. There wasn't – I don't think a lot of people had the computer access to make CGI stuff at home. I don't even know if they do now. Right. This but is I before like Vines. Yeah. Vines weren't even a thing yet. Right. This was before you could you know, get on a computer and make all kinds of crazy shit happen. But so I don't subscribe to that theory. I don't really know anyone who does subscribe to that theory to tell you the truth. Then there's a the theory that we're going to be discussing today and that is that the George Bush administration orchestrated the attacks on that day and were 100 percent responsible for it. Now there is going to be a little disclaimer at the end about the 100% responsible part. So, but we'll get to that when we get to the end. So like I said, last time we covered the planes hitting the towers and I told you guys we would discuss the collapse at the beginning of this episode, but I figured we could just talk about that when we get to the part about the collapse because it's all kind of the same shit. Sound good to everybody? 
good, good, cool. Good. Okay, so right after September 11th, Osama bin Laden was blamed for not for it. He was just they blamed him for it right away. Uh, he was already on the FBI's most wanted list at the time, but on September 16th, bin Laden officially denied responsibility. And to me, it's like, why would he deny it? If he did it, you know what I mean? Like, he's not one to be timid, as far as I know. Why would he be like, oh, no, I didn't do it, but he actually did do it? Because the dude's in fucking Afghanistan. Like, they're not catching him easily. They right. barely caught him. He's not looking him. to cut a deal. He's, he's just right. saying, he's hey, not hey, <laughs> I, I seriously was not there, right bro. No, dude, I'm telling you for sure, I wasn't there. I was in a cave, you know? Look at my beard. Yeah, I've been in a cave for that's years. Not, that's not my style. <laughs> <laughs> right, like, why would he fucking deny this shit? And then on December 16th, 2001, a video is uncovered that was allegedly, there's some pretty big uh, quotation marks around that, uh, allegedly discovered in a house in Afghanistan in which Bin Laden was talking about the attacks but still didn't claim responsibility. Why would he not get that clout, dude? He's talking to other people. Why would he not be like, yeah, I fucking blew that shit up? Like, why would he not get the clout? You know what I mean? Like, why would he not flex on these dudes? I'm trying to throw a lot of millennial slang in here. <laughs> People say that still, right? Clout? I haven't seen it on the internet in a while. I don't know if people still say it. I don't even know how you properly use that. What the fuck is clout? It's like, it's like your reputation. It's like, like kudos. It's kind of like, I think, I don't know. All right, man. Well, it I don't know cool enough to uh, argue to that. To dispute me, so yeah, I guess I'm right. Sounds, sounds right. Sounds right. <laughs> and that's how this works. <laughs> so, the, <laughs> the Bush administration, as well as the media, would portray this video as absolute proof that he was guilty, and of course, all the American people ate it up. Now, what's hinky about the translation of the video was it's not done by a third party. It was done by the Department of Defense, which is suspect. Right. And then uh, in the documentary I was watching, there's a guy who's an Arabicist. I think I said that right, uh, which is like he's an expert on the Arabic language. And he was like, when they translated it, it was a loose translation, which is like, uh, I don't know. Any, anyways, so in a video that played on Al Jazeera television just four days before the 2004 presidential election, it is said that Bin Laden claimed responsibility for the attacks, which is convenient four days before the election. You know, that's just convenient timing, isn't it? Right. And then the final Bin Laden video was released in 2006, but what's strange is in his previous videos, he had a gray beard and looked older. Now in his final video, this fuck has all black beard and looks younger. I don't think... That he's just walking down to the supermarket and getting fucking men's beard dye for himself. You know what I mean? I don't think he's that worried about it. So why does he look younger? Right, but why would he worry about it? Was he like, oh, I'm going to fucking fool him with this one. I'm going to dye my beard and look young. Like, I don't think the dude's worried about that. I don't think he's... Why would he care? You know what I mean? I like to imagine Obama... Not Obama, Osama... Whoa, careful now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stepping into into Republican territory there. Yeah. I like to uh, imagine Osama is in a cave, you know, and his buddy is, like, coloring his hair for him. <laughs> he's just, like, sitting there with you his know, head, like, he's, like tilted back. He's just maybe. dying his beard. No, like, <laughs> like a word search, you know? He's just All right, you have to leave it on for, for 20 minutes, and then we wash you out, okay? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, it's time to pray right now anyway, so it's like they can... Yeah, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go do that, so I'll be back in a... In a minute. Which way is the? Which way do we face? Okay, this way. All right, got. It. Okay, I'll be back in a minute. <laughs> okay, so I don't know. Maybe the government deceived us. I mean, but apparently, Bin Laden was killed. A couple big quotation marks around that too. Uh, May second, two thousand eleven. Now, my theory has always been, and this is my personal theory. This is not the theory of the Mason Jar Chronicles. This is my personal theory: is that he had already been dead. And they wanted to give the American people and the world something to be happy about. So they spent a shitload of money on a covert ops mission with SEAL Team 6 and didn't do anything. Just had like, just had this body of a person that looked like him 
You know what I mean? I just don't think that... It doesn't seem legit. They've been looking for him for all this fucking time, and now suddenly they find him? You know what I mean? I mean, it's an it's interesting odd. theory. I mean... It's odd. <laughs> you know, I don't know. The ship I was on, we were in the Persian Gulf, and then we Right, were, you had... They, you knew people that were on the boat, right? Or something yeah, like that? Yeah, so we were relieved by the Stennis, and two weeks after they relieved us and we had already headed back to the States is when all of that went down, the whole capture and then burial at sea. But, I mean, and I worked flight line. I was, I was on the flight deck. And, I mean, I see everything that comes and goes, you know, for the most part. Uh, I at least see things being transferred uh, in and out of aircraft. You know what I mean? So, uh, although I was not on the Stennis, I, I had uh, friends on that ship and... I don't. I, just, I didn't talk to anybody that saw anything, so it just it's kind of weird that the Stennis is responsible for the burial at sea, and that just I don't know. No one knows anything. So let's talk about these fucking hijackers again. So the 19 hijackers were made to look as though they were radical Muslims who snuck into the U.S. with zero hiccups, raised no suspicion as to why they were here and what they were planning. But I feel like that illusion kind of makes the U.S. look weak, don't you think? I mean. They just got in, no problem, and blew up a bunch of shit. Like, it just makes us look like we didn't, you know, do our homework. That's why we need the wall. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. I don't know. I don't solution to everything. So let's debunk all of this right now. First off, they were not devout Muslims who were spending their last few days on Earth preparing for their afterlife of paradise. Now, I do want to say that in our script or outline thing that we have here we're reading from, I did spell rhyme correctly on the first try. So, uh... Good job, dude. Tell me good job, everyone, if you are listening to this. Say good job, Corey. Out loud. Thank you so much. It's a hard word, man. That's a difficult word to spell. Bravo, Zulu. That H sneaks up on you. So I'm not familiar with the Muslim faith, but I do not believe if you are a devout Muslim that you're going to be going to strip clubs in Vegas and fucking prostitutes and buying sex toys and stuff like that. You know what I mean? I just don't – I don't know how they operate, but I feel like that's not a thing that they're just okay with. But these turkeys were doing exactly that. So the months and weeks leading up to the attacks, the hijackers made many, many trips to Vegas. They got shit-faced, they fucked prostitutes, they bought sex toys, and apparently were spending thousands of dollars within hours, which tells me that Al-Qaeda must pay pretty fucking good if you can spend that much money. But I guess if you're going to die anyway, it's like, what do I need a savings account for now? Yeah, I mean, can't take it with you. Let's yeah, party, I mean, it would be dead anyway, and... so... Right? <laughs> yeah. Let's fuck these prostitutes and fucking die so due to time constraints i'm not going to go into the fbi informant who was funneling information about honey hundred to the fbi and telling them everything about the fucking guy his car his address his phone number literally everything they needed to know about him but i'm not going to get into that because we don't have a lot of time um (laughs) but there's another fbi informant that two hijackers were living in with in san diego and they were visited by honey Hunter. you know what i'm I'm not going to get into it and i'm not going to yell anymore because i see my little dial up here is Going into the red, which means I'm probably fucking hurting you guys' ears. Let me just turn this down to two. You need to check your heart rate, dude. Well, it's, I mean, it's hot in here. I turned my air off because I don't like – the AC makes noise. I'm doing this for you guys. I'm sweating. I'm yelling. I'm already mad we're doing the episode again. <laughs> Not mad, but it's like frustrating. My heart's beating pretty fast. Uh, are you, are you so okay, Robert, dude? Are you be all right? I'm good, man. I'm good. No, I'm all right. I'm all good. Okay. I had a Diet Coke, so I'll be all right. How are you guys? Uh, <laughs> Sweet one. <laughs> so, no, this so Robert Mueller. <laughs> so, Robert Mueller, the director of the FBI at the time, and this guy's still in the news now. Well, not as much anymore, but he wants to take down Trump. So he was also involved in this. He said 
on record that the hijackers gave no hint to anyone around them what they were planning, but that's not true. He just lied on TV. So Mohammed Atta, if you guys remember him, tried to get a loan from the USDA, which is the United States Department of Agriculture, and Janelle Bryant was the USDA loan officer that Ada approached in Homestead, Florida, which I believe is where they did their uh, flight training, which they sucked at. But he got the idea. If you remember the dude with the question marks on his, not the Joker, but the dude, he was like, <laughs> he had a book, and he's like, you can get a loan from the government. He used to come on during, like, Judge Judy and, like, like shit like that. Remember back in like the nineties or like the early two thousands? Oh 2000s? yeah, yeah, yeah. He'd come I on no like daytime idea what TV. it was advertising, but I remember the suit. Yeah, but he's like, you could get a lot of the little, the little. He's like, yeah, talking that's stupid. right. That he guy. always offered you like that's this thick book for like sixty bucks. Yeah, that's where he got this idea, Muhammad Ada, because he's a fucking dumbass. So he wanted to get a loan for six hundred and fifty thousand dollars to just to do what he described as crop dusting. So this dude goes to the USDA loan office to speak with Janelle Bryant. She fortunately turned him down because what he wanted to do was stupid and incredibly unsafe. He wanted to take a twin-engine plane, remove the seats, and put a chemical tank in it, and then he was like, I'm an engineer. I don't know a lot about planes, I don't know anything about crop dusting, and I don't know anything about being an engineer, but I know one thing, putting a chemical tank in the fucking cab with you of any vehicle, probably not a great idea. So I think that might be why she turned it down. Any person with a fucking brain would probably have turned this dude down because it doesn't make any sense. Um, But then again, I mean, I don't know enough about it. I don't yeah. know enough about it to argue with him, <laughs> yeah. but I feel like it sounds stupid. I'd be like, I don't know, man. Like, do you have some blueprints or like? Cause man, that I would sign that shit. I would have approved that shit. Yeah, dude. Go yep. crop. And you would have funded. You would have funded nine eleven. Well, <laughs> he's gonna go crop dust yeah, some when, buildings. When you put it that way. That, I'm, that's <laughs> but that's the thing. Like, you know, as as naive as everyone else was as far as airports and. Right. This was like before nine eleven. So you yeah, were I mean, thinking I like, maybe he's gonna crash said, into yeah, a dude. building. That sounds like sounds like crop dusting to me, bro. You know know what, man? Follow your dream. Boom. Yeah, dude. Have fun. Have have fun installing your tank, man. (laughs) Right? I mean, I hope you get it, man. Sounds like it's going to be heavy, but I hope you figure it out. Yeah, Um, dude. I'm just in awe that you're a pilot. That's cool. (laughs) I just think it's cool, man. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Maybe I'll hear about you in the news soon. You just want to round it off to like an even 700,000, dude? Because, I mean. (laughs) Right. I mean, it's not my money. I'm going to. Yeah, yeah, shit. It's Peg's money. (laughs) So, uh, but she spent more than an hour with the guy. And claimed he was, like, obsessed with this picture of the Washington Monument she had on her wall. It was like an aerial view of Washington, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and then he was talking about bin Laden and al-Qaeda and targets, you know, typical small talk kind of stuff. Um, and then I guess he pulled out a wad of cash she said was the size of a softball and offered to buy the photo because this was before the days when you can just fucking Google it. Um <laughs> And then he asked what she knew of Chicago, Los Angeles, Seattle, and security at the World Trade Center. I mean, but then again, this was before 9-11, so no one was thinking anything of this. Yeah, no any, I mean, to, to the average person, these just sound like tourist cities. I'd be like, man, that's a pretty fucking weird questions. I don't know. Well, I mean, security probably, at the World Trade Center is kind of fishy, but when you're asking about Chicago that's pretty on the Seattle, nose. I mean. I just feel like the other guys were like, you asked her what? Why? You just wanted to tell him what we're doing? Like, he seems like the dumbass of the group, like the fucking idiot who does, like, he's like, he's, he's my cousin, before, okay? can you just tag along with this, us? This is his first suicide mission, okay? You gotta give him a break. Maybe one of them was like, his mom was like, you gotta take your little brother with you, and then he's like, fuck, well, come on, Muhammad, let's fucking go, I guess. And then he's just trying to fuck everything up. <laughs> mom said I gotta bring my fucking brother with me. <laughs> so, we gotta go die together, <laughs> fuck. It's gonna be so weird. Now, I don't know if this was the U.S.'s last ditch effort to cover their tracks but uh Haz- Hamza al-Gandhi had flights scheduled later on in the day of 9-11 and then three 
after 9-11. One from L.A. to San Francisco, and two within Saudi Arabia. Now, this is the part I don't understand. They found Satam al-Sukami's passport on the fucking sidewalk <laughs> at, the, <laughs> at the base of the South Tower before the collapse. So what, did, did he fall out of the plane? Did he roll the fucking crank window down and toss it out? Like, well, you know, I won't need, be needing this anymore. And just threw it out the window? I mean, how? It's fucking made of paper. The plane exploded. It doesn't make any sense to me. How did that... Whose idea was that? Was that Muhammad's idea? Hey, man, throw your passport on the ground before we fuck... I mean, they weren't even in New York. It makes no sense. Well, it's not even... I don't think it's actually possible. You, you, windows no, it's don't in, open. And you gotta... Ex- I know. I'm, so I'm just making... I was saying is... You know, they, don't, they don't roll down. I'm getting upset. I can't even talk now. <laughs> <laughs> they, I know they don't. It's just it doesn't make any sense to me. How did it end up... Did the plane explode and then it fell out of his pocket? It makes no... It, it makes no fucking sense. It's It's suspect... It's not suspect. It makes no sense. There's well, no fucking yeah. way. So the FFA, who routinely does interceptions on errant aircraft, except on this day, I guess. Uh, now, errant aircraft can be losing radio contact or transponder signal or flying off course. And on September 11th, not one, but four commercial aircraft went off course without radio contact with no transponder signal and just couldn't be intercepted. I mean, what the fuck, man? They do it all the time. Why they they couldn't do it? They, and they're like, we have never seen anything like this before. But again, that's a fucking lie. It's a bold-faced, 100% lie. Now, GWB, George W. Bush said they never imagined to protect America, they'd have to worry about people hijacking planes and flying them into, quote, precious U.S. targets. But guess what? Again, a fucking lie. So... North American Aerospace Defense Command, which somehow is the acronym NORAD. I don't know how that is that, but they practiced they practiced these exact drills with fighter jets. So they simulated planes being flown into the World Trade Center two years before the attacks, and then even the Pentagon attack was envisioned five months before it. But they never anticipated this? I mean, I know the president's up there. He's under a lot of pressure. Everybody's looking at him. Maybe he just talked out of his ass. Maybe he was just saying stuff. But it's like, dude, that's a fucking... Did you not know they were doing these drills? I mean, I mean, I feel like he had to catch wind of it at some point. I mean, it's fucking five years. I don't know. I mean... You know? It just... To go back to, you know, the four commercial aircrafts that couldn't be intercepted in the first place, my, my question is, how do you get so many, I mean, you, I mean, you've got air traffic controllers, you've got different people in, you know, various positions that everybody just goes along with the same story? They couldn't... Right. I mean, it doesn't make any sense. Well, I mean... But we'll get to why none of them were intercepted. We're going to get to that in just a minute because the war games and everything that were going on, people were confused, and we're going to talk about that in... Um, in a paragraph or two. Right. There's a 2001 Pentagon email that said Air Force officials wanted a war game in which a terrorist group would hijack a commercial airliner and crash it into the Pentagon. And it was set up to check response time for fighter jets, but was rejected by top Pentagon officials as too unrealistic. One of the war games conducted prior to September 11th was called was called Amalgam Virgo, and it was conducted in June of 2001 and simulated a series of successful terrorist attacks its focus was on unconventional forms of attack, such as hijacking of a fucking commercial airline and crashing it into the capital. But they did go all out on these war games, which is kind of interesting to me. So the scenario was a Haitian AIDS victim, and then on the document it said advanced stage, like, okay, 
thanks for that info. It's unnecessary. And then who is he was made he made a deal with a Colombian drug cartel to crash a private jet into Tyndall Air Force Base in Florida. And they even wrote a suicide note. Like I just why go I don't know this is not pertinent to any of the information, but I don't know why they went all out for that. It's just funny to me. So then Noran would deliver scripted messages from the FBI to the controllers participating and on the the proposal's cover was Osama bin Laden. What the fuck does he have to do with it? It's the Colombian drug cartel. Is he selling heroin to them? I don't know. I don't know why he's on the cover. There's no. I didn't find any other information about why he was involved in that. The second part of the game, which was not executed until 2002, involved two Delta planes with actual pilots flying them would be hijacked, quote unquote, by FBI agents and taken to a secure location. But according to the FBI, it has no record of this ever taking place. Let's move on to George Bush. We can all agree George Bush was not our smartest president. Most things regarding security are not left up to the president. The Secret Service has a job to protect the president at all costs, even if it means they will die as a result. So now, why do you you ask, why do I bring this up? On the morning of 9-11, George Bush was in Sarasota, Florida with a public itinerary. It was public for two weeks. He was going to Booker Elementary to promote an education policy. Hey guys, Corey here, and I'm interrupting the show today to talk to you guys about Patreon.com. Now, if you go to Patreon.com slash The Mason Jar Chronicles, you can become a patron and get the most out of the show. Patrons who pledge a dollar or more will receive early access to episodes as well as a shout-out on the show. Patrons who pledge $5 or more will receive early access, exclusive episodes, and a shout-out on the show. Now, back to the episode. He's going to the classroom to be read by, read to by the students, which I think is funny because it's George Bush and the kids are reading to him. <laughs> it's just funny. It's funny to me. Um, Words are hard. So it's for George Bush. Uh, also, putting on a poncho is difficult for him. So as Bush walks into the classroom, he's already aware that the first plane has hit one of the towers. In fact, he claims many times that he saw the plane hit the tower, even though it wasn't televised until later that evening. But as I'm reading it, you know, he could have seen the video already before it was released to the news, so maybe that's not the best uh, right. evidence. So he could have seen it, so scratch that. But as he's listening to the book, Chief of Staff Andrew Card walks over and whispers into his ear. It's a very, it's a really famous photograph. You guys can probably find it uh, if you look it up. But he was telling him that a second plane has hit the World Trade Center. But Bush continues listening to My Pet Goat. Great which is book. the book they were reading. It must be a good read. It must be good. It's good. It's I mean, good. There's a terrorist attack going on. Do you see what fucking book I'm reading right now? I'm busy. Get out of my ear. I can't even... They got to back up me. now. Yeah, I'm busy. So, let's sum it up. Two planes have crashed into the World Trade Center towers. Another plane is in the air and suspected to be hijacked, and Bush stayed at Booker Elementary for another half an hour. How could the Secret Service let this happen? His itinerary was public since September 7th. The only way they could have known that he was safe is if they knew that Booker Elementary wasn't a target. How else could they have known that? I feel, Other, like, I feel like it's his responsibility to keep calm. I feel like Right, but certain times, they're going to say, fuck with calm, like, we need yeah, to get him out of here. Yeah, you're in a room here. filled with children. I mean, the last thing you want to do is panic. So, well, I mean, I'm not saying he was going to panic, s- but I'm the not Secret saying Service should have gotten him out I'm of just there. saying that, you know, it's plausible that maybe he was just uh, keeping his cool for the youngins. And then, right, but I mean... Because if you le- leave early, that, that, raises, that raises suspicion, you know, for those around, and then... He should have been like, I gotta go take a shit, and then he should have got on the fucking plane. Yeah, I don't think that's very presidential, but then well, again, Trump's to, president, so... I have to go poop. The fuck does presidential mean? Is that better? Yeah, uh, yeah, what does presidential mean? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think disclosing your BMs 
uh, is a good idea ever. To but, children? Yeah, especially, yeah, it might not be a great especially idea. to minors. It's a little awkward, but um, yeah, I guess it, I guess it helps point. that he's wearing a suit. But uh, you're right. You're right. You're right. But no, I so, feel like I feel like uh, he had every reason to not make like an immediate decision. Right. I'm not saying they should have rushed in, threw a fucking jacket over his head and dragged him out of the room but they could have been like all right we need to go it would everybody would have been like what the fuck the kids would have been like all right i guess we're done i guess yeah i don't pet goat is over who's, i who's, guess we're fucking who, done who's, i guess it's nap time now who's Shit. picking up the next sentence <laughs> right um president i guess he's not gonna we're doing popcorn but he's i called on him he, he just left so um i guess someone else can read now <laughs> so now keep up at this point guys because this part gets really confusing uh, and really interesting, and I got confused typing it up, so I can't imagine listening to it is going to be ten times more confusing. So, now we're going to talk about the war games that were going on the day of 9-11. So, September 11th was day two of Vigilant Guardian, an exercise conducted by the Joint Chiefs of Staff and NORAD, which we mentioned them earlier, which simultaneously hijacked planes in the northeastern United States, oddly specific, at the Northeast Defense Sector, which is NEADS, had inputs placed on the screen simulating the exercise. So as the planes are hitting the fucking towers, there's all this shit coming up, and everyone's like, oh man, that sucks, but it's real life. This is, they think it's a simulation, but it's actually happening. How fucking convenient is that? Pretty convenient. Like, yeah, it's simultaneously happening. The, vid- Very the exercise, yeah, it's too coincidental. So, Vigilant Guardian was a part of Global Guardian, an Armageddon exercise being conducted at Offutt Air Force Base in cooperation with NORAD. And Barksdale Air Force Base in Louisiana also participated in Global Guardian. And there's more. Before returning to the White House, George W. Bush flew to Barksdale and off at Air Force Base. Why did he go to these two places? Was he checking in, making sure everything's good? We'll never know. So, yet another war game. Northern Vigilance moved fighter jets from an unknown location to locations in Canada and Alaska to monitor a fleet of Russian MiGs. Which we, yeah, I think we talked about is it's planes or it's ships. They are aircraft. Aircraft, got it. Okay, so three fighter jets located at Andrews Air Force Base, just 15 miles from the Pentagon, were flown 180 nautical miles away for a training mission in North Carolina. Langley Air Force Base, which is just 130 miles from the Pentagon, also had fighter jets, but didn't launch them until 9.24. That's a half hour after the North Tower was struck and 10 minutes before the Pentagon. And Major Kevin Nisipani at Neads told them to fly directly to the capital, and they were instead sent to the fucking Atlantic Ocean. Who the fuck is attacking the ocean besides every conservative in the country right now? Well, that, so, I mean, regardless of the distance, I mean, we're talking about aircraft that are traveling about 1,000 miles an hour. Right, but now... What's 15 miles? But the Pentagon was what's hit. 180? So when the Pentagon was hit, the fighter jets were 150 miles away now. So they're even further than when they began. And they, he told them to go straight to the capital, and they went to the Atlantic Ocean. Did some, I mean, I guess someone intervened and told them to do something else? Well, it's very possible. But the National Reconnaissance Office in Virginia, which monitors and controls the nation's satellites, started a drill at 845 conducted by the CIA in which planes crashed into their headquarters. There's a lot of fucking exercises going on where planes are hitting buildings and planes are being hijacked and planes are being flown all over the place while real planes are being crashed crash into real buildings and real planes are going all over the place. How is this all happening simultaneously at the same time? It's too much of a coincidence. I'm scared crazy. we're going to lose listeners on this. People are going to be like, I'm deaf now, so no. I can't even ever listen to the podcast again. Now, or they could this, be like, this guy's expressing uh, my very emotion. Rage. Yeah. It's rage. Yeah. It's 100% rage and frustration. This is my favorite part to discuss about 
the, about the conspiracy because there's no argument for it. Hani Hondra, the pilot of Flight 77, was a piece of shit pilot. He's a piece of shit person, and he was a shit pilot. It was said by Duncan Hasty of Cockpit Resource Management, which I guess is maybe the flight school they went to. He, this is his quote, he could not fly solo in a small plane, which is the equivalent of getting out of a parking space in a car and stopping. Hani Hondra, who flew a fucking Boeing 757 into the Pentagon. Okay, so... If Hani Hondra wanted to do as much damage as possible to the Pentagon, why not just fly directly into the roof of it? You say that, but it sounds funny the way you say it, just because when you think of the roof of the Pentagon, like, it's a hollow building, so, like... Right, but he could have crashed the plane into that, and it would have exploded and killed way more people. I'm no terrorist, but I'm saying that would cause the most damage. I I guess, I mean, it depends Okay, into the top part of the Pentagon. But uh, don't you think they've designed the Pentagon to to withstand uh, a terroristic attack? Oh, I think I think they've designed the Pentagon certainly to just withstand a terrorist attack in a certain spot. Yes, I do believe that. Right, but I think uh, the way the the way this you know this alleged plane hit the Pentagon, it could have hit anywhere on the outside of that building, and it would have done just like basically the same amount of damage, in my opinion. Just because it's, it's right, I mean, it's a Pentagon. But where did he fly and into? The, the outside wall, uh, you know. Uh, right, but a specific outside wall he flew into. Did they say that he skipped He, he skipped the ground first? Right, but, I'm going to get to that. Why not fly directly into the top of it? Instead, he does a difficult maneuver that we talked about last time on the, on the previous episode, a 330-degree turn while dropping 7,000 feet. So, a horrible pilot who could not fly a small plane alone hops in a jetliner, hijacks it without incident, removes the pilots from the cockpit, regains control of the plane, turns off the transponder, turns around from the Ohio-Kentucky border, flies directly back to Washington, and conducts a difficult, nearly impossible maneuver and crashes into the side of the Pentagon. The only side of the Pentagon that was built to withstand a terrorist attack of this magnitude. The only reinforced part of the Pentagon. It was under construction. If it had been completed, the deaths would have been way more. I think only like 150 people were killed. Not only, but I'm th- comparatively only 150 people. It could have been way worse if all personnel had been in that wing of the Pentagon, but it was under construction, so there's only a few people in there. And yes, this is the part you were talking about. We didn't discuss the lawn. There's no damage to the lawn, so this dude not only did this impossible maneuver that many experienced seasoned pilots say is impossible. Well, in, f- in the defense of any inexperienced pilot, and I've never flown a plane, but I'm pretty sure I could do a 330-degree turn while dropping 7,000 feet. But that means that we're about to crash. Like, you don't, I, I would say that but you don't have to be se- that experienced. in a 757? Yeah, I mean, I could do whatever I want in it. It just doesn't, it doesn't mean it's going to be a happy ending, but I could twirl it and do some shit if I'm high enough. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like... But dropping 7,000 feet, I mean, we don't... It doesn't yeah, you just put that nose before. down. I mean, it's... it's it, I'm I'm only assuming that it's easy as shit to crash a plane. Well, seasoned pilots said that it is not easy to do this maneuver, this specific maneuver. Now, anybody can crash a plane. As now, long landing as you get off the it, ground, you can crash it. Have you ever been to Dave & Buster's? No. There's yeah, this, yes. There's this flight simulator, and, it, you know, part of, the, part of the challenge is being able to land an airliner. Right. It's hard as shit. I've never done it. Like, I've never been able to land this right, stupid game. Right, I'm sure game. it's difficult. Like, not that I'm saying that this game is the same as flying an actual plane, like, but even on a game where uh, there are algorithms uh, in place to let you land that plane and win the game, I still can't do it. Well, like we said, this dude had no crashing. Of it's easy as shit, plane. is what I'm. Yeah. Right, but would you be able to cl- crash it while flying over a freeway? So he flew over Washington Avenue. 
hit five light posts on the freeway, kept the plane about five feet off the ground, not touching the lawn once, and crashed it into the side of the Pentagon and in the only small section of the Pentagon that had been built to withstand this. Yeah, but who's I mean, to say that he wasn't trying to pull up and he ended up being five feet off the ground and hitting a building? It's I'm, just, it's unlikely. This is a huge plane that you couldn't fly This whole day, the, the entire morning is an unlikely. It's just... But it's too, it's too coincidental. It's too, it's too perfect. I mean, and then not to mention the video evidence of the Pentagon being hit wasn't released until like 2006. And not only that, it's a pixelated shitty video. I mean, it looks like a missile. And then now we're going to get into, did a plane even hit the fucking Pentagon? So, okay, well, let me back up. Let me back up. I'm getting a very ahead of tiny myself. hole. So it's a very tiny hole. Yes. But had the plane hit anyone out anywhere else, the casualties would have been far worse. Now the section that it hit was the Naval Intelligence Center, Navy Command Center, and headquarters of Naval, uh, Naval Operations. And the after-action report concludes that important budget information had also been stored in that section. How fucking convenient is that? Gotta start getting there was not shit. much left... There was not much left to fight. A shredder cannot deal with this. We We need to blow it up. We gotta bomb this shit, dude. There's just too much of it. Exactly. There's too much shit in there. So, there was not much left to Flight 77, and the damage to the Pentagon didn't exactly match up to an airplane hitting it. The outer wall had a hole about 20 feet in diameter, and damage was visible across the first floor. Now, if you guys have ever flown on a plane, you know that a Boeing 757 is fucking gigantic. It's 155 feet long, 44 feet high, and 124-foot wingspan and weighs almost 100 tons. And it made a 20-foot hole? No no part of this is 20 feet. It's all way, way fucking bigger. It had to have, like, shed its wings like a fucking spaceship. Right, like it fucking kicked its wings off and shrunk down. I mean, and then there was hardly anything left outside. There's no visual holes for the wings, dude. Like... The engines weigh about six tons. Which they didn't find, by the way. I I don't think they found them. No, they didn't find them. No, this thing hit the building 500 miles an hour, and there's no imprints of the engines. They just fucking disintegrated. I mean, there's also parts of the plane that are basically indestructible, with a specific serial number that leads back to that plane. And there was nothing found. And then there's a punch out hole. The plane went through the whole fucking building now? I mean, come on. Well, I don't know. I mean, I'm not an architect, but. (laughs) You can. No! There's no fucking way, man! So, Norman Mineta was Secretary of Transportation from 2001 to 2006, and on the morning of September 11th, when the first plane hit the tower, he went to the Presidential Emergency Operations Center. He, well, he went to the White House to enter that, so this is the PEOC, the PIOC. At the May 2003 hearing of the 9-11 Commission, Mineta testified... And I'll just summarize because I don't want to say it in a quote because it's like a whole fucking thing. So he talked about a young man coming into the PEOC and telling the vice president about the plane headed to the Pentagon. He told him the plane is 50 miles out. Then he came back. The plane's 30 miles out. And when it got down, the plane is 10 miles out. He asked the VP, do the orders still stand? I can literally, as I'm reading this, feel the rage building up inside of me. <laughs> like, it's such I'm, a I'm glad feeling. you're able to feel you. I do feel me do the orders still stand is what he asked him and then the vp who was dick cheney at the time said of course the orders still stand have you heard anything to the contrary but the 9-11 commission report says dick cheney did not enter the peoc until 9:58, more than a half an hour later and conveniently enough the secret service has no record of when dick cheney entered the bunker and more importantly what were the fucking orders and why do they still stand was it to just let the plane hit it i mean Meop, Leop, what the fuck is it that? <laughs> what are the fucking orders? I need to know this. So let's jump back to the planes for a second before I fucking have a goddamn aneurysm. 
the same scenario that happened with Flight 77 happened with Flight 93, which is like the hero flight, you know, the, the feel-good flight. Yeah, yeah. Uh, flight 93 was the ones that the passenger uprising brought it to the ground. Uh, big quotes, quotations around that as well. So, but when investigators found the crash site, there was nothing but a fucking pit! At 10.03 in Shanksville, Pennsylvania, United 93 crashed into a field, right? We've seen plane crashes before. There's a lot of debris, there's suitcases, there's bodies, there's seats, there's pieces of the plane. But there was nothing. There was just a fucking hole in the ground that kind of looked like a plane. So there's some speculation that the plane had been shot down. And then some of the debris was found more than five fucking miles away. That doesn't make any sense. Even the news reporters were baffled, saying they've covered plane crashes before, and this isn't normal. They've all the debris is usually in the same area. Why the fuck is it five, six miles away? Perhaps. And then almost everyone, from like the fucking crime scene investigators down to like the fucking co- the coroner, was like, "There, there's no debris here. Right. There but, was no passengers. I mean, there's no plane. There's no seats. They should be still strapped in their fucking seats from the plane crash." Right. But what if prior to getting to the impact site? They had already lost it was control shot down. of the air. Or, yeah, we could, I mean, that's a whole different theory. Fuck. Let's get through this one first. Let's say that they did lose control several thousand feet up in the air before getting to the ground. So, okay. if they were to lose control, perhaps they could have, I don't know, turned, like, kind of gotten themselves caught into, like, a, like a weird spin to where shit is flying off the aircraft and a lot of it maybe just kind of separated before it hit the ground, and maybe that's so why you're saying maybe the plane disintegrated. So you're saying well, maybe well, I wouldn't say disintegrated, but like maybe it was starting to, uh, you know, apart. fall apart before it got to the destination, and that's why there were seats and everything scattered five miles or whatever the fuck. But if all the pieces of it, I mean, the fucking engines are six tons. You think they just like flew off like a piece of paper? I know, I know, I, I was taught one time that a bowling ball and a feather fall at the same fucking speed. I don't know, man. Well, someone lied to you, because that makes no sense. <laughs> is, that, is that not... Was George W. Bush your teacher? Because that sounds like a fucking lie. Hey, man, my pet goat was a great read. <laughs> and there's plenty of bowling balls in that, so I don't want to hear anything about it's it. It's on my Goodreads. Go check it out. <laughs> I bought it on Amazon. <laughs> so, there's no historical reports of a plane as big as a 757 crashing and completely disintegrating itself and all passengers. In October 2001, the Department of Environmental Protection reported... Ah, this pokes a hole in your theory right here. The Department of Environmental Protection reported that there's no trace of jet fuel on the ground, in the groundwater, or soil at the crash site, and 5,000 gallons of jet fuel were in the plane when it crashed. Well, it doesn't really shatter my theory. Maybe... Uh, fuselage did and everything. Did it just leak? Was uh, it, did they have a fuel leak? Well, no. It, I'm not perhaps. trying to attack you. I feel like I'm attacking you. I'm just upset. Well, no, no, no. You're good. But maybe, maybe you know, if he knows enough about planes, maybe he wanted to lighten the plane or change ballasting so he unloaded the fuel. Because, I mean, that's possible. I don't know you enough can, about you can plane unlo- fuel to... You can unload it. fuel in flight. I mean... Right, but wouldn't it be scattered everywhere else? Well... I mean, wouldn't they have found it? Wouldn't it be in the soil, in the, the groundwater, well, around it? I, I, I don't know enough about the science behind uh, fuel uh, and vaporization, but, you know, I would imagine, you know, from lack of experience, very, like, zero experience, I would say if you're showering fuel from several thousand feet up, it's not like a rain cloud. It's, I mean, if I'm, if I'm on the ground and it's flying over, I'm trying to, like, I wouldn't imagine that I'm going to get doused in fuel if it's a certain altitude. But, right, but I mean, I mean, what the hell do I know? It just, 
It doesn't add up. But regardless. like I said, they could have they could have you know dumped it or whatever. I'm not really I sure. I guess it's possible. But at this point, I mean, fucking anything's possible. Apparently, the collapse is where we left off on the last episode, and that's where we're, this is that's the last thing we're going to cover on this one. So at 9:59, the South Tower collapsed in about 10 seconds. 29 minutes later, the North Tower did the same thing, and then for some fucking reason, at 5:20. World Trade Center 7, a building 300 feet from the North Tower, fucking just collapsed as well. But the official explanation of that was falling debris from the North Tower set fires to the building, making it collapse. And if this was the case, it was the third steel-framed skyscraper in history to collapse due to damage and fire. And does anyone know what the first two were? Mm. The Twin Towers. Mm. So the fucking three of them, they're the first ones to ever do this. How convenient again. There were reports of a building which burned for over 18 hours and did not collapse. So why were the Twin Towers so special that they burned for 56 and 103 minutes and collapsed to the fucking ground? They were even designed to withstand multiple impacts from a Boeing 757, the biggest aircraft at the time of their construction. And the official report claims they were brought down by 10,000 gallons of jet fuel, collapsed in on itself, and were collapsing... And when collapsing, took the path of most resistance. I don't know a lot about demolition, but it just it didn't look right. I will say that. Well, the another argument has always been the fact that jet fuel... Uh, can't melt steel beams. Yeah, it doesn't necessarily have the... Uh, I mean, it, it can, yeah. but it has to be at some ridiculous, like, Kelvin, basically. Like, I mean, steel... Yeah, it's almost like you would need, like, super thermite to do it or something. Oh. <laughs> Maybe. Convenient. It's a possibility. <laughs> Keep that in mind, guys. Yeah. So the National Institute for Standards and Technology, NIST, did a report called Final Report on the Collapse of the World Trade Center Towers. The report states that they found no evidence that the Twin Towers were brought down in a controlled demolition. However, didn't include anything about the collapse. So why do they fucking name it that? So there's even a disclaimer in the report that says, does not actually include the structural behavior of the towers after initiation and collapse became inevitable. 10,000 motherfucking pages and not one explanation of why the towers collapsed the way they did. And the NIST admitted in April of 2007 that they cannot provide a full explanation of the total collapse and they also did no test for explosive residue. Why? How can you be, how can you say they were not brought down by a controlled demolition but you didn't even fucking test it to make sure? Why are you lying to us? This is weird. So, we're lucky that we're lucky that Jeanette McKinley exists and lived nearby. So, she lived near the World Trade Center on September 11th, and Jeanette had a friend, Dr. Stephen Jones, who was a scientist. In June 2007, Jones studied this dust sample he obtained from Jeanette. When he was looking at it through the microscope, he found a little red chip. It looked like a chip of paint or something like that. At first, he thought it was pretty insignificant, but further examination, he found that the chip had aluminum and iron oxide. These are the components of thermite. Hmm. And thermite's so, good when a for col- what? Oh, it's uh, good for melting through really fucking thick metal and shit. Okay, okay, cool. That's exactly what it's good for. We had thermite grenades in the army, and they can literally melt through a comms radio in a Humvee. Can you explain how a thermite grenade metal. works? Well, it's like a... You know how, like, smoke grenades look like they're like a cylinder? They're not a... they're it's not like a like, canister. They're not a sphere. Yeah, it's like a canister. So what you do, like, say you get blown up by an IED... And you have to leave your truck there. You don't want to leave the comms because then the enemy can get to, you know, our radio frequencies and hear us and shit like that. So what you do is you take out your thermite grenade, you pull the pin, you set it on top, you release it just like a regular grenade, and then a whole bunch of sparks fly, and then it just, like, melts through the thing. Damn. Does it melt the it's whole pretty fucking impressive. or just, like, No, no, no. Just, it just inside. melts like a cylinder shape through the radio. Oh, okay. So then the radio's useless. It doesn't work anymore after that. Cool. And that's where your tax dollars go to, guys. 
I feel like that's useful. I mean, that's a that's a useful way. That's a good use of tax dollars. <laughs> yeah, you don't want the enemy knowing. It's a good use on. of tax dollars. So a colleague of his broke off a piece of the chip and examined it under the electron microscope because that way, when they break it off, they get like a fresh surface or some scientific shit like that. Right, right. So they looked at it under an electron microscope and they found traces of carbon. Which means this wasn't just thermite, it's basically super thermite. So it's way stronger than regular thermite. Super thermite is obviously better than regular thermite. It's gotta be, it's super. So, yeah, it's super duper. Oh, it's super duper thermite. Was, so this is something that the government was developing in weapons labs. So I guess this was the perfect time to try out their new uh, experiment, I guess. So... This super thermite would explain why the fires in the rubble of the Twin Towers burned until December 13th. Even with a steady stream of rain, or a steady stream of water, it rained and fire retardants basically creating a giant lake where the, the, the ground zero was, the fires kept on burning. So, the Twin Towers were brought down in an unconventional controlled demolition with super thermite, is what I'm saying on this. It seems so, like it was done with precision. Yes, it was done with military precision, which is what I'm going to get to now. This is not the official opinion of the Mason Jar Chronicles. This is my official opinion. I say that 9-11 was conducted and orchestrated by the United States government, not maybe not particularly by George Bush or even his administration, but I think it was conducted by a group of secret individuals who will probably never be named, and never brought to justice, and it was done to ensure whatever hold they had on America or whatever money they had tied up in industries that benefit from war or benefit from the attacks on 9-11, I believe they funded and orchestrated these attacks and conducted these attacks. Again, like I said, it's not our, it's not Johnny's opinion. It's not the opinion of the show. It's my opinion. I didn't want to do this episode to try to change you guys' ideas, to try to make you guys believe what I believe or anything like that. I did it to honor those that died that day because, well, I did it to honor the ones that died that day and the ones who have died since that day because of the actions of what happened. Because if me or if I or a loved one had died that day in the towers or in the war afterwards, I'd want to know the truth, not what the media has to say about it, and I do fully believe that this is the truth. I don't know specifically what Johnny believes, but this is... I honestly believe that this is this is how it went down. Well, I mean, I wouldn't put it past the government to, to shield us from harsh truths that are encompassed in running a government or a nation. Right. But I'm not going to lose sleep over things like this. I mean, I, I like to entertain conspiracy theories, but I've never been, I've never let myself get so deep into one theory that I, uh... That you yell at a bunch of listeners who well, you don't not, really know. I, not, not necessarily, I mean, because having a conversation about it and, and being passionate within the discussion is, is one thing, but I don't, I've, I've never caught myself devoting extra time or free time to... Uh, researching these rabbit holes. I mean, it's just to me, it's it's fun conversation, uh, and it's 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 interesting theory. I mean, it's it's yeah, fun to talk about. But that wraps up the show. You can follow me on Instagram at gnarly davidson. You can follow Johnny at Johnny Two Jokes. You can follow the show at Mason Jar Chronicles Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at MJC Podcast. Go on iTunes, leave us a review if you guys enjoy the show. If you think I'm batshit crazy, leave us a review telling me that you think I'm batshit crazy. I'll appreciate the feedback. Um, and you can go on Patreon if you want and become a patron. You guys can get unedited episodes, uh, a little postcard from us, a big thank you from us, and um, you can have less money in your bank account. But 
Uh, that's not 100% necessary if you guys don't want to do that. But thank you guys for listening. We did enjoy this episode. We got some more fun stuff coming up in the future. You know, some child murderers and things of that nature. I know you guys enjoy that kind of stuff. So uh, we'll be getting to that in a couple weeks, and we can't wait to talk to you guys again. Later. So goodbye. Goodbye.